Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. Jeff Gordon's Tupac Chevrolet has passed its final car for the afternoon. He is with a big lead in hand. Open racetrack ahead. Checkered flag to come. Jeff Gordon to the long pond straightaway for the final time. He does put the Mike Bliss lap car in the rearview mirror and lengthens his lead over Kurt Busch in the process. Here is Jeff Gordon off the end of the long pond straightaway. He'll put the DuPont Chevrolet against the bright white rumble strips at the bottom of the racetrack for the final time. Jeff Gordon leads off turn two. Last time he won, he was in the Valley of the Sun. Now he's looking to go to victory lane on the mountains here in Pocono. Here he comes. Final time. Jeff Gordon easing that car up. Middle of the racetrack. Perfect through three for the final time. Jeff Gordon, last one here in June of 2007. Today, he wins for the fifth time at Pocono Raceway. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you as we get ready to hop in the saddle again and trot into Long Pond, Pennsylvania for a big weekend of racing at the Pocono Raceway. We'll talk about that coming up on the show this weekend. Four races coming your way from the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania. Coming up on the show, we're going to spend time with Jeff Gordon, the vice chairman of Hendrick Motorsports. Hendrick has been in the conversation a lot lately. Two cars running well in Kyle Larson and William Byron. And two cars having challenge right now with Chase Elliott and Alex Bowman. We'll address all of that when JG joins us here in just a moment. We're also going to go through the 50 years of racing at Pocono. Yes, friends, Pocono Raceway has been around for half a century. We'll document some of the key moments that have come your way from the two-and-a-half-mile racetrack in Pennsylvania. Also, we'll talk some NASCAR Xfinity Series racing with Daniel Hemrick. Good run over the weekend for him at New Hampshire. He'll stop by and join us. We'll preview this weekend's racing action at the Tricky Triangle and a whole lot more. But first, Kyle Ricky is here with a check of the latest headlines in NASCAR. Kyle, what do you have for us? Thanks, Mike. Following the success of Shane Van Gisbergen on the Chicago street course race, another Australian supercar driver is dipping his toe into NASCAR. Brody Kostecki is set to make his NASCAR Cup Series debut in August with Richard Childress Racing at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course. Kostecki will pilot the number 33 Chevrolet Camaro for Mobile X in the Verizon 200 at the Brickyard. This weekend at Pocono, we'll have multiple drivers pulling double duty. Chase Elliott will pilot the number 17 for Hendrick Motorsports in Saturday's NASCAR Xfinity Series race. 
He will be joined by fellow Cup Series driver Ty Dillon, who will suit up and drive the number three car for Richard Childress Racing. The truck race will also feature a few Cup Series invaders. Kyle Busch is back behind the wheel of his own number 51 truck as KBM searches for their 100th Series win. He'll face tough competition in that race from Christopher Bell, who will drive a second Hattori Racing Enterprises entry. Austin Hill also makes his return to the series where he made his name, this time driving for Spire Motorsports number 7 Chevrolet. Mike. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up. Hendrick Motorsports Vice Chairman Jeff Gordon. From outdoor care to home and auto repair, do it with Craftsman. Find the tools, equipment, and storage you need at your local Lowe's, Ace Hardware, or Craftsman.com. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We welcome you back to NASCAR Live. Let's go to the hotline. Bring in the vice chairman of Hendrick Motorsports, NASCAR Hall of Famer, Jeff Gordon. Jeff, welcome back to NASCAR Live. How are we doing? Hey, I'm doing good, Mike. How are you doing? Doing fantastic, my friend. I know that uh, the folks at Hendrick have to be happy. Bittersweet day at New Hampshire yesterday with uh, what happened there. Kyle Larson in the number five car finishing in the top five, but seemed to be an up and down day for everybody at New Hampshire. How would you thumbnail the Hendrick uh, efforts yesterday in the Granite State? Yeah, I mean, just in general, New Hampshire's been a tough track for us. Um, you know, it's it's just uh, it, it has a lot of challenges. Uh, it's it's a rough racetrack. It's very flat. Um, it, it's track position sensitive. I mean, it's it, it really throws. Even when I was driving, right, it, it threw a lot of curveballs at you. Where if you didn't have you know, the balance, right, the the security on entry, getting to the center, yet getting the car to also rotate in the center, you were going to have a long day. <laughs> and, um, you know, we we, uh, we we were really hopeful because Chase did the tire test uh, up there and really liked the tire that Goodyear ended with that they uh, were coming back with. But and not just us, but a lot of other teams noticed, uh, you know, that the tire reacted a lot different when they went back for the race. So. Um, yeah, there were definitely a lot of challenges. Um, you know, I felt like William and, and the 24 team were, were doing a great job until they had the damage and the issue on, on pit road. And, and, you know, just unbelievable how, you know, sensitive these cars can be at times. And even though that looked like a really minor, uh, little incident and not much contact, it, uh, it damaged the front splitter. And, and, you know, from that point on the, their day was just a big struggle and and chase you know they're they're grinding it out and so did alex you know trying to get themselves in this uh in this playoff and and you know it's been it's been a real challenge just trying to to play catch up a little bit with those guys being you know out of the car and and just you know really difficult for them to to really find that that magic right now but we're pretty hopeful we got some good tracks coming up and um you know in the five car with with larson um you know those guys have have had good speed all year long so they they were able to find it so we know it's there um but uh you know we uh yeah it wasn't a great day especially when we're trying to get you know two of our guys into these playoffs with very few races left to go 
Six races remain in the regular season. Let's isolate on the one that that's fandom is being coming the most vocal, and that is Chase's. Six races to go, 60 points below the cut, have to average 10 points in every race here on out. And it just seems like the struggle this year is more than it has been, or it's been exposed more than maybe challenges from years gone by. Help us separate fact from fiction. How far off is the nine? What are their challenges that they're trying to overcome right now to become a part of the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, if we had all the answers, we wouldn't be having the struggles. <laughs> um, you know, I, I know Alan and, and Chase and that whole team, you know, I, I know the depth they have. I know how the quality that they have in, in their people and, and how hard they're working. And, you know, it just, it, yeah, it, it's frustrating when even when they pull off a great finish, um, which, which they've had right at, at, at Chicago and in, you know, wherever we were right before that. And, and it's like, even then I can see the frustration within the team because they didn't perform the way that they wanted to. The, the points will come and the wins will come if you're performing well on a consistent basis. So it, it's been a real a, a tough one. I'll, I'll be honest, you know, that, um, that, that one's been a bit of a mystery because, They've put different setups in the cars, looking at, at, you know, our teammates, looking at other Chevy teams and, and just, you know, you got to find what works for, for a driver. I've been through this before in my own, you know, career and, you know, not everybody drives the same way. And, and so there's a certain feel and a balance and a, and, and, and the way you want that car to react. And, you know, we just uh, have not been able to give chase what he needs to go be successful uh, and, and be, and, and really be aggressive out on the track. So we've got to find that, um, you know, when, when we give it to him, we know what he's capable of doing. And, and then we got to execute and put all the other pieces, you know, together at the same time from a strategy standpoint, like Atlanta, I think they had a pretty decent car. Chase was really happy with the car in Atlanta. It, it just seemed like every, every decision, you know, that, that was made on the box, you know, and, and Alan admittedly, you talked about it after the race. He's like, every time I made a call, the caution would come out or, you know, everything worked against us that day, even though I think we had a car that was capable of, of, of winning or being in, in the top five. And and then you see how it went for, for William and the 24 team, um, you know, they got behind and, and that actually put them in a great position to get the win. So, you know, I, I'm a big believer that that hard work and and good, you know, and, and, and quality people are going to to persevere in the end. But you also you know have to have a little bit of, of good fortune on your side and everything happens for a reason. So, um, you know, these these guys are being tested right now. And, and I know it's tough for for all the Elliott fans. And uh, just know this, you know, that that there's nothing that's a bigger priority for us than getting chase that number 19 is team as well as uh, you know, Alex Bowman, the, the ally 48 team in, in into the playoffs. But I think it's more than that, right? It's more than just being in the playoffs. It's about being competitive where you can win races and go win a championship. That's what we're all about at Hendrick motorsports. Yes. It's important to us. It's important to the fans. It's important uh, to our sponsors to be in the playoffs, but we want a, a, a lot more than, than that. And that's, that's what we're searching for. This, to me, is two challenges playing out all at one time. You have the challenges of getting the car right and being able to capitalize on the calls that Alan makes. That's that. That's what we see. But 
there's also another challenge brewing, and that's the frustration. You commented on this a moment ago that you've lived there. You, you've, you've basically lived it. You've done that. How is it like trying to get the performance right while not succumbing to the frustrations that go along with getting the performance right? How difficult is it to navigate that frustration, keep it in check, and try to minimize it as much as you can? Well, from my own experience, it, it is difficult when you see your teammates who are performing and are getting the results. You you look deep inside yourself and deep inside the team and say, okay, what is it? What, are, what am I missing? What are we missing? And, and it's easy to find yourself get into place where you can't get out of it, but that's the time when you got to double down, you got to work harder. You got to build this, you know, this relationship with your, with your team even stronger and, and make sure I've always said, you know, you just can't be the weak link, whoever that, you know, person that feels that way on the team, um, they, they cannot allow themselves to feel that and they've got to do something about it. And I felt like that as, as a driver at times. And I said, okay, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to spend more time with the engineers, more time in the simulator, more time, um, you know, trying to understand the setups and the racetrack and studying the notes and, and, you know, building the relationship, go to dinner with these guys, lunch with these guys, breakfast, whatever it takes. And, and, you know, then if you're a strong enough bond uh, in a team, you'll find, you know, you'll find what you're looking for, especially a place like Hendrick Motorsports. But what I will say is I've never, been in chase elliott's shoes right i mean chase is the most popular driver he has a, a very you know avid and loyal fan base that's also very vocal i mean we've seen this with dale jr in the past as well and we and we've dealt with that here at hendrick uh, a little bit too with dale jr so we are a little bit familiar with it but it it makes it tougher right it it does make it tougher it's hard enough the, the sport's hard enough on its own but it is tougher when there's as many um, you know, critics and eyeballs that, that are out there trying to, to judge or, or, you know, come up with here, here's what the problem is. You got to do this, get rid of this person, get, go do this. And, you know, it's, it's very, very difficult to deal with, but, um, it all happens on the inside. That that's what Rick Hendrick always, uh, you know, tells all of us and has for many, many years that, you know, you can't allow anything to, to tear you down from the outside um, you know, you've got to stay strong within the inside and, and you'll get through whatever it is. More coming up with Jeff Gordon. Kyle Larson brings his Chevy four tires to no go racing fuel. From fueling NASCAR champions on the track for over 20 years to innovating 94 octane, the highest octane on the market. Performance is what Sunoco does. All Sunoco fuel at the pump meets the same top tier standards as the fuel used in NASCAR. Here for Ryan Blaney, four tires with Sunoco fuel. From the track to your tank, you can trust Sunoco to help your vehicle perform at its peak. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. We continue our visit with uh, Vice Chairman of Hendrick Motorsports, Jeff Gordon, NASCAR Hall of Famer. Talked a little bit about the cars coming out of New Hampshire. I wanted to focus, Jeff, on Alex Bowman, the number 48 Ally Chevy team. It seems like that they're almost in the same boat as Chase Elliott, that no matter how hard they work to get out of whatever they're in, situations and circumstances put them back in that container that they're in right now. What are the challenges like trying to get the 48 car tightened up and get everybody in a good space over there on that effort? 
Yeah, I, I think the mystery there has been you know, how good the 48 started. You know, new crew chief Blake Harris and, and Alex Bowman start the season so strong and consistent. And and then for that to be you know disrupted was, uh, you know, was was disappointing. But we thought, OK, we'll just pick right back off, up where, where we left off. And and, you know, maybe maybe there is far more into this, uh, you know, being out of the car for a few weeks like we've talked about with Chase Elliott, far more to that with this car, with this particular car and with the way the season is in the, in the competition is so tight and, and, you know, it's so difficult to get an edge. I mean, we, we see where every, every decision, every call, every lap is so critical more so than it's ever been in the past. So, um, you know, it's really hard to say with, with, with those guys um, because kind of similar they they just they've struggled qualifying qualifying has become so important with this car um you know just getting the good pit stall is a good track position and just starts your whole weekend off um you know when when practice starts well and and then you qualify well so uh yeah it just seems like those guys were on a great run and then got you know uh disrupted and and just haven't been able to find the chemistry and the rhythm uh as well so maybe maybe there is a lot more to just being out of the car for a few weeks the, and getting a little bit behind from your competitors than, than maybe any of us could even kind of, uh, you know, imagine. You mentioned a string of races coming up over the course of the next few weeks. We'll talk Pocono in a moment. One of those stops is going to be on the Indy Road course. Uh, and there's a lot of talk uh, in the garage, a lot of scuttlebutt that maybe this is the last time we race on the road course at Indianapolis for a while. And as a five-time winner, of races on the oval at Indianapolis. What is your preference? You'd rather go left and right at Indy, or would you rather all make left-hand turns at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway? Yeah, I'm definitely biased on this. I mean, I, I've, I've enjoyed watching the road course, I, I, and I've driven it on it uh, myself. Um, you know, I did that uh, Carrera Cup race last year, and, and so I enjoy the road course. It's a fun one, but I'm a, you know, I'm a diehard Indianapolis Motor Speedway fan. Grew up, uh, you know, watching the Indy 500 as a kid and dreamed about racing there. Got the opportunity to do that uh, when NASCAR went there. And I loved it and still love it. I, I will, my wish is this, is that I think we should be on the Oval. I don't think we should be on the Oval every year. I think that it's such a special, unique event. And as well as the Indy 500 is also very special and unique but I think it has its own place there. I, I said years ago, if if you had the crystal ball, I think you'd go on the oval every four years. Uh, you know, but I know that that's not the business model. <laughs> that's not that's not how things work. But I just think to keep it unique and special, and the fans really say, "Oh, you know, hey, we're all, we're going to get this four years from now, like a like an Olympics or something, or maybe it's every other year. I don't know." But but first and foremost, what we need to do is get the cars to race properly on the oval. And I know NASCAR is working really hard in the wind tunnel with their engineering group, with the teams to find some, some solutions to try to find a, a way where the cars can stay connected a little bit better uh, to be able to, to make, you know, more passes. And, and so they're trying a bunch of different, uh, um, you know, gadgets or whatever you want to call them on the cars to find that. And it's not just for, a New Hampshire or just for an Indianapolis, I think it could work at some other tra tracks too. But I, I think one of the reasons why it lost its luster at, at, you know, the brickyard for the, on the oval for NASCAR 
is, is we just couldn't pass. Um, you know, we just weren't, it seemed like we we're just following the leader. So I don't think we need to go back there and follow the leader around the oval. I think we need to go there and put on a show, you know, for the fans and, and show people what they get to see on all the other, you know, big ovals that, that NASCAR puts on the best show of any form of motorsports. I'll say that any day, all day long to anybody that wants to hear it. We put on the best show in the best, you know, competition and, and excitement of any form of racing. When you put us in Daytona and you put us, you know, look at what we're doing this year on the mile and a half. Um, and, and so there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to do that at Indianapolis as well. And if we do, I think we belong on the oval. Well, we're going to have an opportunity to put some speed on display at Pocono this weekend, like we've done in the past at Indy, but obviously with the unique challenges of Pocono, three totally different ends, you were able to master the joint six times. You're a six-time Pocono winner. What's it like for Hendrick going to Pocono, a track that has served Hendrick Motorsports quite well over the years? Yeah, we love that track. You know, it's this this um, kind of combination of horsepower and aerodynamic uh, efficiency as well as driver ability. And, and we love that. And, and I think it's something that suited us very, very well in the past. And, and I think it still does. So, um, you know, certainly things have changed a little bit with this car and the way you shift uh, even more than you used to, um, you know, still brakes are extremely important. And then, uh, you know, finding that, I, some things just never change in the sport. I think of going to Martinsville, you know, you, the, the, what you need to go fast at Martinsville is still the same as what you kind of need at, at Pocono because it's these three unique different corners and you're never going to get it perfect in all three of them. So yeah, we're excited about the opportunity and, and, you know, I, I think all of our guys really run well at, at Pocono, but I, I, I certainly think this is a great opportunity weekend for, uh, you know, for the nine uh, of, of Chase Elliott, as well as the 48 of Bowman. I think, I think, you know, I'm excited to see what he and Blake can do uh, this weekend at Pocono. In your heyday, when the car was right, what corner at Pocono would you just eat them up? Be like, all right, boys, I got you right here. When you could get the car the way you wanted it, and when you could make speed, what corner could you really tear them up? Yeah, I mean, I've always said I think the tunnel turn is one of the most fun and, and one of the most challenging corners in all of racing because of how how committed you have to be, how well-balanced a car has to be. And when I say well-balanced, it, it's not that you just go in there, turn the wheel, and lay in the throttle, and it sticks. When the car is well-balanced, it's turning. And when it's turning, the back end is just right on the edge of stacking, stepping out. And that's also the way that you can make passes because you need a, a more neutral balanced car when you're behind other cars. So, um, yeah, I always love the tum tunnel turn. I, I never thought I was great in turn three. Um, you know, flat corners were never my ideal perfect scenario. I like I like to go fast, right? I love to pound it into the banking and jump on the, on the gas hard, whether that was on a, a high bank dirt track or Winchester uh, in Indiana or, or whether it was Bristol or wherever it may be. So, um, you know, to me that, that corner was always a little bit awkward and you just kind of managed through it, but um, you know, drive deep into turn one, use all the brakes and, and you got, had some nice banking down in turn one. So I like turn one, but yeah, the tunnel turn to me is, is always been one of my favorite turns in all of racing. The high point.com 400 coming your way Sunday on the motor racing network. Appreciate the time as always, my friend, we could go on, for hours and hours. Well, one day we'll do that, but we got to 
got to cut short. We've got other business to tend to, but we're always very appreciative of you taking the time for us here on NASCAR Live. No, always a pleasure. Love the show. You know that and, and, and love what you guys do and, and, and love, you know, connecting uh, about what's happening in the sport and our, with our fans and can't wait to get to Pocono and don't lose faith in Hendrick Motorsports and that nine and that 48. Uh, we got two that are, that are performing well and have, have the chemistry and, and we, we're very, um, you know, um, we, we, we know that these other two guys have, all the ingredients where where they need it and we just got to put it all together and when we do it's it's going to like look like you flipped a switch so we'll see how that goes over these next few weeks well and we'll see if it happens sunday at the pocono raceway more coming up on nascar live the nascar season is here and toyota racing is looking for clashers did you clash at the coliseum with your favorite toyota drivers Clashing with the HOA, who won't let you carve bell number 20 into your lawn. Or maybe your Tyler Reddick shirt clashed with your pants while meeting the in-laws. If you're a clasher, then we want you. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. We continue to celebrate 75 years of NASCAR racing as we head to Pocono Raceway this weekend. And for the past 50 years, the NASCAR Cup Series has raced in the Poconos at the famed Triangular Racetrack. Our Susie Armstrong joins us to listen back to some of the greatest moments at Pocono. During NASCAR's 75-year existence, one track has been on the schedule for 50 of them, Pocono Raceway. During that time, there have been 89 NASCAR Cup Series races at the Tricky Triangle, and this Sunday's event will be number 90. Over that span, we have seen numerous iconic moments, including an eventful race last season. Chastain with a small advantage on the outside. Hamlin is right there, puts the squeeze on him, puts him up, and he's in the wall. Hamlin got him and Ross Chastain goes for a long spin off turn one and into the inside wall. Last year's drama between Ross Chastain and Denny Hamlin isn't the only time Pocono has provided us with memorable racing. The track's first NASCAR Cup Series event was held on August 4th, 1974. The Purolator 500 had a familiar name take home the checkers, Richard Petty. The King would tame the tricky triangle two out of the first three years Cup events were held in Long Pond, Pennsylvania. Ladies and gentlemen, here comes Richard Petty. 400, 300, 200. He's across the line, takes the checkered flag, and Richard Petty has won the Purolator 500 here at Pocono Raceway. Early on, the three-turn layout provided a new and unique challenge that, according to Petty, was unlike any track the sport had previously raced on. It was sort of like running a road course deal because you had to run it to get used to the corners. Like most racetracks, you know, you go down here and turn left and that's it. But these were different. You had to approach them different. They were different straightaways, different banking in the corner. So it was really weird because we'd never run on anything exactly like that. But for some reason, uh, you know, our guys was pretty good about setting up the car for that. 
and uh, I fit in right good. At the time, one man that could conquer this rare challenge better than anyone was Bobby Allison. This is the home track for several Winston Cup drivers and also for two car owners, the Gardner brothers from Hamden, Connecticut, waiting in victory lane for their driver, Bobby Allison. The Miller High Life Buick and the leader of the Alabama gang takes the checkered flag from Harold Kinder and wins his third straight race at Pocono. He has won both the Van Scoy 500s to date. And as Tommy Van Scoy kidded on the broadcast earlier today, he tried that uh, diamond ring on Bobby's finger that the winner would get on Friday and said, you know, it fits pretty good. I ought to give that a shot. In 1982, when NASCAR ran dual races at Pocono, Allison swept both events. He then punctuated that feat in 1983 by winning his third race in a row at the Tricky Triangle in a span of 371 days. Allison's dominance at Pocono was short-lived as his win in the 500-mile event would be his last at the track. As the years have passed, few events in Long Pond compare to what transpired on June 19, 2000 as Jeremy Mayfield battled the Intimidator on the last lap. This is the final shot that Mayfield has. He closes in on Earnhardt. Earnhardt breaks the draft down at the bottom. Here comes Mayfield. He closes in on Earnhardt. He is on the back bumper. Almost gives him a nudge. Earnhardt slides up the track. Here comes Mayfield for the lead as Earnhardt almost hits the wall in three. Mayfield will come underneath Earnhardt off the final quarter. His hand is out the window at the checkered flag. Jeremy Mayfield is going to win the Pocono 500. He came up to Dale Earnhardt's back bumper in the final corner. Looked like a little bump and run. Shot Earnhardt up out of the bottom lane. And Mayfield is going to go to victory lane with his second win of the season. After the race, Mayfield addressed the bump and run and quoted Dale Earnhardt, who did the same thing to Terry Labonte at Bristol in 1999. He slowed up in the tone turn. I got a run on him. I, I didn't have anything for him. You know, that's all I had. And uh, when he backed off going into three, I was like, you know, I got to get up there and race. You know, that's what it's all about. And uh, I haven't forgot about the 10 times he's got me. So, you know, I just want to rattle his cage a little bit. And that's it. As iconic as that moment was, Pocono Raceway is also a track that has allowed young and upcoming drivers to make a name for themselves. In his rookie season, Denny Hamlin did exactly that. Earlier today, he was called a top-tier driver by one of the other crew chiefs. And he's a rookie in his second appearance at Pocono Raceway. He's won his second race today, taking the Pennsylvania 500. Hamlin won both events that year, the only two times he would find victory lane in 2006. Hamlin isn't the only modern-day driver who earned their first career win at the Tricky Triangle. In 2017, another competitor, followed suit. Ryan Blaney by a car length and a half over Kevin Harvick looking to bring the Wood Brothers to victory lane for the first time at Pocono in a long time. He has the lead coming off turn number three. He holds the lead to the line and 23-year-old Ryan Blaney will score his first career win here at Pocono Raceway today. The Wood Brothers making their 60th start here. Ryan Blaney making his third and he scores the win in the Pocono 400. It was the first victory for Wood Brothers Racing since 2011 and brought the team within one win of 100, a milestone they are still trying to reach. In the 50 years the NASCAR Cup Series has raced in Long Pond, Pennsylvania, there have been 40 different winners. Of current active NASCAR Cup Series drivers, two have been the class of the field when racing at Pocono. Denny Hamlin has scored six career wins, while Kyle Busch has claimed four. Sunday, when NASCAR takes on the tricky triangle, we might just see another iconic moment created when the Cup Series completes its 50th year of competition at Pocono Raceway. 
cannot wait to get back to the tricky triangle this weekend. Susie, thank you so much. Coming up, Daniel Hemrick's going to stop by and later we'll preview all the action coming your way this weekend at Pocono. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is NASCAR Live. Now back to Mike Bagley. We continue on this week's NASCAR Live. Eight races remain in the regular season for the NASCAR Xfinity Series. And as things presently stand, 2021 Series champion Daniel Hamrick is on the right side of the playoff bubble. He joined our Jason Toy ahead of this racing weekend. This season, I know you haven't had the win yet, but you guys have run very, very well. Yeah, I appreciate it. First off, for uh, having me on. Yeah, still chasing uh, the first win of the season, but um, definitely, definitely been pleased with, you know, our string of, uh, you know, recent consistency and, and whatnot. We're doing some of the little things right. We still got some things to clean up to be uh, serious, you know, in-race contenders on the short track side and, and uh, some of the other style of racetracks. But, you know, we've been able to get some finishes whenever we've needed to here um, over the past couple of weeks. And um, you got to do those things before you can be ready to win. So we're building towards that. Happy with the direction we're going. Last year, we, we saw Ty Gibbs take a win home, but that will always be with you, knowing that you are a champion at one of NASCAR's highest levels. Does that still kind of resonate with you there? And it kinda, when you look down at your driver's suit and you see that Xfinity logo and it says champion below that, what kind of a feeling does that give you? No, it, it truly is something that <laughs> they can't take from you. Weeks where I've made mistakes or kind of been down and out myself and you look down and that patch still says that so yeah it's pretty special um you know a lot went into to, to making that night what it turned out to be to be able to be called a champion so i appreciate everyone that was a part of that journey and continues to now be a part of the, the new season of of life and racing that's going on right now you know i appreciate my colleague chris rice bringing me on the colleague racing that after um receiving that champion patch but in all reality they had hired me before that so um yeah i look forward to hopefully have an opportunity to, to put one of the championships within the college racing banner one day. Um, but it's definitely something, like you said, it, it just gives you a sense of pride that you don't really know you can have within our garage. Obviously, I've now been at this for a while, and it really is special to be able to carry that through the garage with you week in and week out, year after year, no matter what. Talk about Matt Colick, your owner, and Chris Rice, who's the man that kind of runs the show over there at Colick Racing. Obviously, the personality that those guys have, it seems like everybody meshes very, very well in that organization and i know chris is, the, is a motivator and tries to get everybody you know and works to keep everybody going in that right direction and i always joke around the fact he's, he talks a lot of drivers off the cliff it seems like during a race but what's it like to, to work in that organization and what they continue to build in that organization yeah you definitely have a unique blend of personalities to say the least yeah that's one thing that i even touched on before i ever started my first year there with colleague racing was just how different you know chris personality is compared to Matt Colleague and how different both of them are different than AJ Allmendinger who's his own his own guy and and kind of where my identity was in between all that right like trying to find that um, but they've been welcoming to kind of be your own person um, as long as you're pulling the rope in the same direction and, and kind of buying into it to what they're doing as a program and and that's a vision that you know Matt Colleague and Chris Rice both had shared with me about where they wanted to be well on into the future, you know, not just my first year driving for him in 2022, but, you know, where did Colleague Grayson want to be in 2024, 2025? So 
I was obviously a, a part of those conversations, and that's what kind of got me excited. And it really kind of felt like, you know, putting the pen to paper was the right thing for me here within this situation. And I'm thankful I've done that. But at the end of the day, Matt, Cow- Matt Colley wants trophies. Chris Rice uh, backs up what, Matt's want, what Matt wants and, and uh, still trying to deliver that on my side. So still some work to be done. Daniel Hemrick is here with us, driver to NASCAR Xfinity Series for Colic Racing in the number 11, usually circle on the on the race car. So, But before we talk about Pocono coming up this week and what you guys are, are continuing to build there in that program, take folks underneath your helmet, take folks in that driver's seat a little bit and the listeners out there. You're getting close to that playoff cut offline you guys are above that right now how much is that in the back of your mind in decisions that you make in the race car of okay i can put the car here to kind of go for the win but i need to make sure it could has risk reward in it take folks in there and what it's like yeah i think a lot of that starts you know by just simply understanding your situation and being conscious of it but not having it at the forefront of your mind right like kind of going to the weekend you have certain cars you know who are really really comfortable um, which can change their aggressiveness and how aggressive you can be with them and uh, as far as their, their uh, standing at the point situation and then guys you know are not so you kind of can understand what guys uh, you know how, how, what's their meter of how desperate can they be um, at least that's how I go about it uh, but in the day when you look at yourself you're constantly constantly just trying to you know evaluate you know from the lap, first lap on the racetrack kind of where you fall in speed and then um, you know, that kind of sets the tone for the weekend as far as how aggressive you are on restarts and, and uh, doing all you can do to not leave, you know, leave any kind of spot or point on the table, whether it be via, you know, stage breaks, stage breaks, stage ends or, or the final finish of the race. But I say all that once you drop the green flag, you know, the, the crew chief's goal, you know, my crew chief in particular, Jason, knows I don't ever want to hear the word points get brought up. I don't like to talk about it, hear about it. You're there once the green flag drops to maximize your day. I can lay my head at night knowing that we've done that for a couple weeks here in a row now and, and that's uh, that's a rewarding feeling but we still have to find that pace like I talked about to make these conversations a little easier to know we can go continue to add some cushion to that to that cutoff line and the more cushion you get there the more aggressive you can be in race winning situations. Well to add to it and this weekend you go to Pocono. They call it the tricky triangle for a reason. Three distinct corners always here. You can never get set up perfect for all three corners. So what are your thoughts on Pocono and what's it take to get it around this racetrack especially trying to get to the front? Yeah Pocono man it's been one that I've kind of had some success at in some form or fashion in all three series, but I also feel like I've driven that place completely different, um, you know, one year to the next, depending on the vehicle and the downforce and, and uh, you know, whether they have any kind of spray on the racetrack for traction compound and, you know, the place is really, really stayed the same but has changed a lot in in a lot of different ways in years past just because of the variable of knowing where that grip level is going to be and what the weather is going to be when you get there so obviously the one thing i always say is true is is throttle time is king Uh, as big as that place is whether you know you're setting up to get off turn three whether it's getting through the tunnel with a lot of speed or or just being really really aggressive into turn one the one thing that always you know rings king is is throttle time so getting a a decent balance it's not gonna be perfect at all three ends but getting a balance that allows you to tip that throttle in early and staying at a long time. That's a key. Daniel, it should be fun this weekend at, at Pocono. Always is. That is very true, man. It's uh, one of the places that has some of the most wild restarts. It's fun to prep for because of how different the place runs. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for the grind to continue here as we uh, get to the back half of the second, you know, beginning of the second half of the season here and really get going. Daniel, appreciate it as always. All the best to the family and uh, look forward to seeing you at Pocono this weekend. Absolutely, guys. Look forward to it. Thanks for having me on and uh, yeah, ready to rock. Thank you, Jason. Coming up, we'll preview a full weekend of racing action at Pocono.
Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. It's going to be a jam-packed weekend at Pocono Raceway. All three of NASCAR's Premier Series will be in action in addition to the Arkham Menard Series. Our Kyle Ricky is back to break down the racing action ahead of us this weekend. For the second time this season, Martin Truix Jr. was king of Monday. The Joe Gibbs Racing driver stunk up the show en route to his first Cup Series win at the New Hampshire Motor Speedway, leading 254 of 301 laps. This coming weekend, Truex and the rest of the Cup Series stars will stay in the Northeast for their annual excursion to the Pocono Mountains and the Pocono Raceway. After his third win of the season, Truex is once again the points leader, vaulting ahead of William Byron. And while Truex says it isn't his job to declare himself the championship favorite, he certainly has his eye on the race for the regular season championship. I was thinking this week, I looked, I seen the points pop up the other day and I was looking at it. I was like, all right, if we have a perfect weekend, we'll be like one, one bonus point behind Byron. But the regular season championship's a big deal, 15 points for that. Uh, if we can, you know, keep keep knocking off bonus points, that's going to be uh, be very, very important come playoff time. So just keep digging and uh, keep doing what we're doing. We've, you know, the last two weeks have been tough uh, with, with terrible finishes, um, but really good race cars, really good runs. Um, you know, so we're, we're doing what we need to do and um, just got to keep doing that and, and try to keep gaining points. While Truex was celebrating in victory lane with a lobster, at the other end of the spectrum was Kyle Busch. Because of an early race incident, Busch finished dead last on Monday, a finish that greatly diminishes his chance of competing for the regular season title. Busch will immediately have a chance to turn that around, though, this weekend, as Pocono is one of his best racetracks. Bush says things started to turn around for him at the tricky triangle when he and then crew chief Adam Stevens hit on something nearly a decade ago. Pocono thing really started about 2014. Me and Dave finally kind of hit on something that was working for us. And then in 2015 with Adam came together and we were really fast there ever since 2015. That was obviously with the, the JGR guys. And so, you know, it'd be interesting to see if, if it translates with me, with the RCR group, being able to go to Pocono next week with uh, our Chevrolet and, and be fast. But kind of changed my driving style at the racetrack just a little bit around that same time frame. And I've kind of stuck to my guns on that. The track also was just starting to get its age because it got repaid in like 2010 or 11 or something like that. So really kind of come into its own now. It's pretty bumpy again, lost a lot of grip again. So, you know, it lends itself to being able to widen out a little bit, which is always nice. Speaking of Stevens, the championship winning crew chief is now paired with Christopher Bell and was a big part of the breakout season last year that saw Bell advance to the championship four. Bell is once again a championship contender here in 2023 and gives Stevens' ability to be a team leader a lot of credit. He's just a team leader. And, and you know, for me, my I'm very much, uh, you know, very quiet and soft-spoken individual. And Adam is a little bit 
on the other side of it. So uh, he does a great job leading our team. And, and you see that across the garage where sometimes the driver's the leader, sometimes crew chief's the leader. Uh, and for me, I really need the crew chief to be that, that team leader, and Adam's able to do that. And on top of that, he's, he's really smart and, and gives me fast cars. Uh, I think we've got a good combo. While Truex, Bell, and Bush have flirted with the top of the standings this year, Chase Elliott is fighting for his playoff life. After missing seven of the first 20 races, the 2020 Series champion finds himself 60 points below the playoff cutoff with just six races remaining in the regular season, meaning he is inching ever so closer to must-win territory. Last year, Elliott was declared the winner at Pocono after both Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch were disqualified after post-race inspection. To win this year, Elliott says he has to give his team the information they need to make the right adjustments and put the fastest car possible on the racetrack. But I feel like we've been we've been executing races at a, at a high level over the last month or so, which I think is, is a really, really good thing. And it, I think our team is in a really good place. We just need a little bit of pace, and I've been saying that over the last couple of weeks. But I think a lot of that falls on me to to extract that pace in the early stages of the event, or even in our our short practice session, <laughs> to say, "Hey, I need this, this, and this uh, to go better." I think all those things are on me, and and to to make sure that I'm I'm giving the information that needs to be given to help lead our team in a in a better direction when it you know in those crucial moments so I don't think Pocono is any different you do have to execute a good race it becomes one of those places that strategy is key pitting at the right time and and trying to have some open track and and all those things another driver who is in a must-win mode is Ryan Priest Priest is trying to make the playoffs for the first time driving for Stuart Haas Racing he is looking forward to the challenges that Pocono presents especially the thrills that the tunnel turn can offer I think it's just you got to attack that place so different right but from a driver standpoint something myself as a driver i really like the tunnel turn i like that feeling of not necessarily being out of control but being on the racer's edge right so um i've always enjoyed racing there and and this is no different so um chad and i we ran the truck race together last year there uh we ran really well so he, he knows the feel that i'm looking for and he's had a a lot more time with this next-gen car, and we're looking forward to it. Who will find the right balance between the three unique corners and conquer the most unique track in NASCAR? We'll find out in Sunday's HighPoint.com 400. MRN gets things going with NASCAR Live Race Day starting at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. That Pocono Raceway preview brought to you by Whelan Engineering. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, has been manufacturing in America for over 70 years. We never left, and we're here to stay. Coming up, we'll flashback to the 1996 Miller 500. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. About to head for the exits on this week's NASCAR Live. Before we do, let's get back into the MRN time machine And listen back to a portion of the 1996 Miller 500 from Pocono. Now Ricky Rudd has a little drafting help. The guy who held him up for so long now is helping him push along as he closes in on Rusty Wallace. Jeremy Mayfield right on the rear deck of Rusty Wallace. They try to chase down Rusty Wallace at the tunnel turn. All that traffic back behind Rusty will stay single file this time down the long pond stretch. One exception to that rule is Mark Martin. He's trying to get something going. He is a good 20 car lengths back behind the race leader. Mark Martin rumbles to the inside. 
side of the racetrack gets by Dale Earnhardt, but he has a lot of daylight between him and Rusty Wallace down the straightaway and a lot of cars, including some lap machines. Here's Wallace into turn number three. Give him five car lengths on Ricky Rudd. Mark racing with Lake Speed for the eighth and ninth spots, while up front, Ricky Rudd has closed down some on Rusty Wallace. He's closed it to about 12, 13 car lengths or so, an estimation as they cross the start-finish line. 11 laps to go now. Dale Jarrett not able to make any kind of run at Ricky Rudd for the second spot. For now, they run in single file formation. Jarrett rides along in the third spot. He's got a lap car behind him, the machine of Michael Walter before the next car in line. That is Johnny Benson, Jeff Gordon, Ernie Irvin, and Sterling Marlin all stacked up. Those three cars racing for position off turn one. After all that double-wide racing we have seen since the restart, now the leaders stay single file this time for the entry into the tunnel turn. Here's Rusty Wallace now, the lead beginning to diminish. Ricky Rudd cuts it down to about eight car lengths now. Trying to track him down, down the short straightaway, heading into turn number three. Ricky Rudd pushing it as hard as he can into the third corner. Rusty Wallace loses maybe one, two car lengths now, making about a four car length battle as they race off turn three. Such great memories there. Hoping to make more memories this weekend. Be sure to tune in Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I'd like to thank Jeff Gordon for joining us this week. Also, our thanks to Daniel Hembrick for stopping by. I'm Mike Bagley. For the rest of the Emerson crew, we thank you for joining us as well. And we'll chat with you on NASCAR Live Race Day on Sunday, 2.30 p.m. Eastern. And then, of course, we're back here with NASCAR Live next Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Trey Downing, Pat Jaggers, and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network.